You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K24. Myself, Mo Mootsi, alongside me as always, the three-time NBA champion and our special guest every week on a Monday <laughs> to set the week <laughs> off in the right fashion. <laughs> parking up area. You see the fans are now tweeting. Parking up It's stuck, like <laughs> whether you like it or not. I told you, we're four weeks in and it's here. Hey, Mo, if, if you can make this technically work, I think next time I'm gonna do the podcast from the parking lot. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna go to a parking lot. I'm gonna go to a parking lot and I'm gonna do the podcast. As long as we start from the parking lot, then we good with it. We good with it. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was great. Ate too much as always, but I uh, had an enjoyable time with the wife and my daughters in town. So uh, you know, thankful for that. And thankful for you guys, man. And thankful for you know the friendship that I'm developing with you, Mo and thankful for my my brother uh bj here that we go way back a lot of memories with that guy so um just just you know really a great day yesterday uh, we're thankful for you as well uh bj i got a bone to pick with you yes sir this this yes, picture sir. of this spread that you spent 10 minutes talking oh, about on friday oh yeah it never arrived yes. Can you please well, explain? It, 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 oh, well, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. The photo is coming. As you, DJ said as in you, the post. Yeah, you as you it. said yesterday, <laughs> as you said yesterday, it was a little difficult, difficult for me to actually make the post. So I have the photo and I just got to get the photo to you. It's coming. Yeah, you gonna take it's it to in a the mail, shop, Mo. Get it delivered. The, yes, <laughs> you gotta uh, put the stamps on the envelope, send it over. <laughs> hey, by the way, Parking lot Perry has a birthday coming up. Oh, so, yeah, she's got a birthday coming up. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. yeah. Parking lot Perry here has a birthday. Yeah, so we, yep. we we should be the first. We, we, we so we're recording this now, but the it will have been his birthday by the time the uh, the show comes out. So yeah, happy birthday, Scott! Wishing you another year of great success. Very appreciative of you and sharing your time with our listeners here. Um, I'm part of the family now, so wishing you more life and more blessings, sir. Uh, I appreciate that. Hey, I take it one day at a time, one year at a time. So just happy uh, that it's coming up. Thank you, guys. So now we're going to talk about the NBA. There's okay. a lot happening. Okay. <laughs> now, for many years in, in recent history, you know, in the, in the late 2010s, Every year we watched the NBA and essentially it was just the waiting game for the finals because we knew at the start of the season it was going to be the Warriors and it was going to be LeBron's Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals. So we would just watch the regular season and yeah, there would be some interesting teams, but really and truly we knew no one was stopping those two. Fast forward to this year now and the NBA is wide open. The NBA is absolutely, I think it's the most parity we've seen in a very long time. No team, you know, Scott, we were just talking off air. No team has really separated themselves like the Celtics, top of the East at 12 and three. But then they went and lost to the Hornets. They almost lost against the Grizzlies. They were up big on the uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks. They threw that away. So they've not separated themselves at the top of the East and over in the West. Well, I mean, you've got the Timbles at the top, but the Thunder are only half a game behind them and the Nuggets are a game and a half behind them. And so are the Mavericks and... There's a lot of parity going on right now in the NBA. Why do you think that no team has been able to assert themselves as the dominant force right now in the league? Well, first of all, it's still a little bit early. So teams are rounding themselves into shape. But I actually do think that it is a lot of parity in the league. And there's each team has a flaw still, if you will. I mean, it, I really like the Celtics. I think they've got the best starting five in the league. But the bench will be a big question mark. You know, it's an, really a, an unproven bench overall. And to see how far that they can help this team go and can they be helpful in a playoff series. I look over in the Western Conference and I see seven or eight teams, as, I, as we talk here today, they really have a legitimate shot. As, as I analyze the rosters today, to make it to the conference finals or finals. So I, I legitimately think it is wide open uh, over there. I think there's just a lot of balance. I think it's great for the league, too, to have that kind of interest uh, around and, you know, fan bases across the country really believe now 
that uh, their organization and their team has a chance to uh, make it to an NBA Finals, and I think it's it's good for the league. BJ, what are your thoughts looking at the standings right now? Well, you know, it's it's been some time since you know I was on the other side where where Scott just came from in front office, working in the front office. I think now more than any time that I can recall that roster construction is probably probably the most difficult it has been since really my entrance or since I became part of the NBA. Constructing a team is probably one of, if not the most difficult thing has been, that most difficult thing to do currently, the way the rules are set up, the way the players are moving around, and being able to construct a team that compete with any type of longevity is just very, very difficult. So when I look at the teams now and I start looking at the rosters and how they were constructed and how these teams were put together, suddenly now, you know, you're getting players, for instance, let's talk about the Celtics. They have two new starters in their lineup just from a year ago. Very hard to do years ago when you just got two new starters, right? There's there's no time to develop. I think, you know, Scott mentioned it. You know, it's still early. However, for the most part, when you started when you started trying to compete for a championship, you wanted to have your core group together for a year or two to figure things out, work out the kinks, have some ups and downs, and then say, this is our year. We feel now you don't see that. You'll make a trade, boom, we're ready to go. You the Milwaukee Bucks, they'll make a trade, boom. Now we're 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 here. We're ready to go. They have, you know, and they have a couple new starters. And we know Chris Middleton has been in and out of the lineup. Even this year, he's been out. So I just think it's different, you know, when I think of the Miami Heat, what they did a year ago, <laughs> how you construct these teams to be, and Scott probably can talk on it better because he he he's there. Roster construction is just, to me, it's, it's just a beast. It's just, it's almost impossible However, teams are doing it and they're figuring it out. But I don't know if that is by design. I don't know if it's by just the way the, the cap works. But I think Scott probably can touch on that a little better and kind of give us some insight on that. He brings up some really uh, good points about roster construction, BJ. Um, and when you talk about the heat, and I think you guys have heard me say this a lot, Um you got to know who you are and what you're trying to be become as a basketball team and as an organization. You have to have an identity. I have yet to see a championship team lack identity. And the Miami Heat have done a tremendous job of establishing an identity from the day Pat Riley arrived in Miami. I don't know, was that 25, 30 years ago, however long ago that was. And they have stayed consistent with that. They draft to it. They trade to it. They sign free agents to it. And so as you look at the standings now, you cannot discount a team like that <laughs> in this Eastern Conference, even though they're not the most talented group. There's probably four or five other teams, at least in the Eastern Conference, more talented than them. But because they know exactly who they are, they play a certain way. BJ mentioned the, uh, the continuity, how important that is. Uh, and the cohesion of the of, of your basketball team, they have that, so they're bringing it to every arena, home and road. So you you can't discount them as you go through uh, throughout the year. Um, me personally, as an executive, I value that and I take that into huge account. Other teams, like you said, you know, again, roster construction may just be putting teams together, you know, solely based on you know, what salaries would, may fit and may not pay as much attention to the uh, the basketball fit or the personality fit. Um, there's a number of different ways to do this thing. Uh, but I have, my, in my experience in 23 years, those organizations that do a good job of knowing who they are, establishing an in, in identity, and they never waver from that. And those are the teams that I look for at the very end to finally be standing and, and eventually holding the, the Larry O'Brien trophy. So given that 
there's no clear leaders in either conference right now. And things are pretty much even, you know, if you go on like a five game win streak or a three or four games losing stretch, uh, you can go up or down the standings. Do you think that makes teams more or like more or less likely to make a big move during the course of the season? Because if everything's bunched up and it stays like this for the rest of the year, do you think teams are prepared to roll the dice with their current squads? Or do you think teams are looking at it like, oh, well, if we make this move, we can separate ourselves from the pack right now? Well, that's what I would do. <laughs> if you got to take look, because you don't get many chances at this thing to to really uh, to win the whole thing. So I would be looking and trying to figure out what is that extra ingredient that our team needs. I'd survey the league and figure out, okay, this team may have an excess of that ingredient or a player that they're willing to move. Uh, to exchange, and then we have someone that we're willing to move off our roster that we believe is going to help get us over the top. So I would look to, and and I think a, a, a lot of my you know peers would look to make a move and be aggressive enough because you don't know when you're going to be back in that position to try to kind of like they say push all your chips to the center of the table. And give your give your organization an opportunity to go and compete for a championship. So uh, I would look for a lot of activity uh, personally, uh, as I see it. BJ, you know, when you look at the league right now, which teams do you think are best positioned to make a move? Like Scott said, because if you look at like the Celtics, for example, you don't really see them making a big move to their roster because they did a lot in the offseason. They seem pretty content with what they've got. Um, but which teams do you think would be looking at it and saying, okay, maybe we can take another step up during the course of the season? Well, as we're we're currently discussing here, I was just looking at the, the standings. And when you look at a team like Boston, like in order for them, in my opinion, to make a move, a significant move, they're probably going to have to move one of their current starters to make a move that's going to really help them. And you start looking at Milwaukee, I would think probably the same. You know, I when you look at the Denver Nuggets, I mean, they lost, I mean, think about this, guys. They lost two significant players out of their top eight. And Bruce Brown and uh, Jeff Green. So how are they going to make a significant move that's going to help them and kind of separate them to the pack? You know, they're going to still they're going to still have to rely heavily on Jokic to carry them in the pre in the regular season and the postseason. Yeah, with Murray out injured as well. With Murray. Yes, with Murray out. So I think right now you're looking at it. We're probably looking at teams like Orlando, for instance. I think they are positioned right now beautifully. If the season were to end right now and they finish fourth, they have enough pieces because they have, you know, I think Scott was talking about them last week. They have a team now where they're going to have to probably figure out who's the core group, who are they going to figure out financially they're going to commit to, and then they probably can do some things because they have not a couple of young players. They have a lot of young players that are very talented, currently constructed now. It's a lot of season, a lot of basketball to play. But I think it would be a team like Orlando, for instance, I think the Knicks probably, with their team currently, where they're constructed, what they're going to do. You know, they have a player there quickly that's still, I think, people value in this league. Yeah, he could be a star could, on a lot of teams in the NBA. Yes. You know, I still think there are maybe a piece or two they could move around before they say this is the one where they're going to, you know, as we as we talked about here, push their chips all the way into the middle what, of the What table. do you think they'd be looking at? Because, you know, Mitchell Robinson's having like an all-defensive season. You've got Jalen Brunson, who's the star of the I, show yeah, now. Yeah, what yeah. do you think they'd be looking for, you know, in, in terms of fit and position? I, I think, you know, as you, you look at the team, right, it's easy to put, I always say it's easy for me to put how I think about it and how I view it. However, sometimes when things work, you got to let it work, okay? Currently, the as constructed, they have a team here that it works. And the one thing I think the Knicks have done a great job with the way they were scouting and, you know, for years, and we're looking at the product now, but however, you know, it takes time to get to a point like this, especially when you start drafting players, right? I mean, they drafted 
They drafted Mitchell Robinson. Okay. They acquired Julius Randle. They drafted RJ Barrett. So this isn't like an accident, right? They 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 put this group together and all of a sudden now Yeah, it must have been a smart here. guy who put that group together, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they they put this together. <laughs> and then all of a sudden now you gotta let it play itself out. Now, what does that mean? That means before you can make these assessments, because it when you draft a player, it's gonna take time to figure out who that player is, who are they going to become, and then say, well, in our current scenario or even our future scenario, this is who this player is going to be. Right now, you're seeing, just as you alluded to, Mitchell Robinson suddenly now is coming in and he's becoming the player we always thought he could become when he was drafted. Okay, so in my opinion we talk about developing players and all these things all the time. You draft this kid. And then suddenly when he becomes a defensive player of the year candidate, or we start mentioning, mentioning him in that regard. Well, that's called progress. That's called developing. And then now you just move that player along. No, I don't think so. So you, you were patient enough to get to this point. He's clearly made progress. Now you got to figure out what it is. I don't think it's time. You know, quickly is a six man in a year candidate, right? Yeah. RJ Barrett. Yes. RJ Barrett. When you look back on that draft, for instance, even though he may, may not have been the number one pick in that draft, executives have a philosophy and that philosophy is, if you can draft a player who's going to become who you think he is, that's the right player for you. He may not be the most talented player, but if you knew that that player that you drafted is going to become the player that you thought he was going to become, that says a lot about the person, because we always talk about the person here, and then that says a lot about the player. Well, from what I can see from afar, R.J. Barrett is going to become <laughs> who and what we thought R.J. Baird was going to become. From the moment I started watching him before Duke, he is going to be that, and you continuing to see him work on his game. And he's contributing to winning, Mo, right? Because, Mo, you, you hear me say, who's contributing to winning? So I think right now the Knicks and their players, you can argue that quickly, you know, he he ascended to where you're saying, here's a guy that was in the sixth man of the year. R.J. Barrett, if you look at the draft, you'll go, you can make an argument. He might be the best player from that draft. Well, <laughs> okay. I mean, he's the most available because Zion hey. and, and John Moran, who got picked <laughs> before him. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, you know, but I will say, and then this kid, Mitchell Robinson, Mo, we live in the era of small ball, and Mitchell Robinson has figured out as a young player how to contribute to a team as a big kid on the defensive end and contribute to winning. So when I look at this team, I go, okay, I don't know if it's time yet because they haven't, you know, they haven't stopped growing. They haven't stopped developing. And it's great to see with young players. So um, I, I don't know what the Knicks need right now because I don't know. I, I'm not seeing the finished products. Now I think Julius Randle, it's probably Julius Randle. Um, when I say Julius Randle, okay, how how do we continue to maintain his contribution here? I don't I don't see him suddenly just being a different player a year or two from today, right? I don't if I just made him into a three-point shooter, for instance, well, you're taking away his physicality, what he brings. Jalen Brunson, okay, what I mean, he was like terrific. I mean, he was like you know, how do we maintain that? So, but the other guys have an opportunity to fit into what those two guys are doing who are who are both playing at an all-star. I think one of them was an all-star and the other, certainly Jalen Brunson played like an all-star. So I think right now, when you talk about the Knicks, I think you got to like really kind of see before you can push everything to the middle of the table. But that takes patience. And I know patience is not one thing 
that you have in NBA New York. Fans. So, so, <laughs> so, I mean, it would be it would, yeah, that, it would be remiss for me to miss the opportunity here to ask Scott if you were still in that seat. How would you be looking at this? Would you be looking to keep rolling with this current squad, or just in your opinion, would you be looking to bring in another player? As I study the team now, and I've had the ability to be away now for I don't know five six months. Uh, first thing, there's a lot of depth to this team. That was always, you know, what I liked about the the group. What I li- still like about the group: very deep basketball team deep with contributors. As I analyzed the starting group, uh, BJ made, you know, he made all the right points on, you know, Mitchell and Julius and uh, Brunson and RJ Barrett. If the team somehow could acquire, uh, and and talked about quickly being, uh, you know, run up six man in a year and that spark that you need off the bench. If, the Knicks have a the Knicks have a lot of draft picks available. There's good depth on their team. So if you could take some of that depth, you have an expiring contract with some um in Evan Fournier, who, who they're not playing at all. Um and package that for a bigger wing player who could potentially become a starter. At the small forward, you know, again, I don't have the name for you right now, but somebody in that six eight range who could score the basketball, uh, give you some defensive versatility, and give you the luxury of being able to play R.J. Barrett maybe down at the two-guard position. Now they've got a bigger team. They've got more size in that starting group, top to bottom, and I think that could help a guy like Jalen Brunson particularly on the defensive end, as as you move forward and eventually get to the playoffs, and BJ knows this, size still does matter in this game. Even though we're in the era of small ball and everybody's uh, enamored with playing small ball, if you can match, if you can be big at your position mm-hmm. night in and night out, I said that's what I would like to see for the Knicks, and I think they could make a jump uh, in doing that. Would that take them – you know, to championship level, I don't know. I would make, you know, a, a, that type of move and then see what happens, see what I have there and, and, and let it marinate a little bit. Well, let me throw a name out um, who who doesn't fit the kind of defensive description, but in terms of a big uh, player who can play at that three possession, who I've seen a lot in, you know, fans just talking about trades this week. If the, the salary matches up with Fournier and Laurie Markkinen, and if you attach a boatload of picks to that deal, how would you feel about something like that? Well, see, I don't know that lower marketing is a small forward. I know they tried that a little bit in Cleveland, but I think Evan Mobley ended up being more of the small forward, if you will. Uh, like the player a lot, um, like him an awful lot. And uh, he, you know, he obviously would be an upgrade in talent in that deal. But in terms of fit, I'm not so sure on that. Okay. Okay. PJ. Yeah. Well, as you know, Mo, I, I, I'm big. I'm, I'm big as our fam, as our listeners listen to, to us, you got to figure out which position you can defend. Lloyd Markin is a very skilled, versatile player. Clearly he is a seven footer who has offensive skills that will mimic smaller players and that's what makes him a very very coveted player in our league by many executives we recognize that here we would love to have him however when you're constructing a team you know everyone talks about you know you know he's positionless players well that's only it's half true right if you're positionless on the defensive end, you're gonna have a lot of problems because you got to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> you got to figure out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, that's the ball. That's the ball. You gonna have to guard. You got to guard some position. You got to guard, guard some. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I will have a little pushback to that term, positionless player, because it only refers to one half of the. You know, it's like when I hear people say he's a two-way player. Shouldn't we all be two-way players? But that's another discussion. Laurie Markkinen right now 
I, I think would have a hard time defending smaller players. Okay. The, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to pose a lot of problems for a lot of teams once the playoffs begin, because they don't have one big player at their position. They have two because Jason Tatum is every bit of like six, nine, six, 10. When you see him in person, he is a big player. Jalen Brown is a physical player. Jimmy Butler is a physical player. You can't just put a 6'3", 6'4", small guard on him. You got to put some size. If Chris Middleton is healthy, another big player. If you play Phoenix, you know, you got KD. You, you know, you got Devin Booker. You can't just put smaller players. Jamal Murray is a big point guard. You know, Shea Alexander, a big point guard or lead guard. And then we have this kid that's suddenly evolved now, in my opinion, to one of the best players in the league, Anthony Edwards. So to me, when you start looking at these players around the league, one of these players are going to ascend this year with their current team. And you're going to see this player. So I think you got to, like Scott said, you got to be able to defend or at least match up in the way I look at it <laughs> on that end of the court. So, and that means you're going to have to have a player who can match up, fit into the way they play with their current roster, but more importantly, it will give them the ability to have an advantage because if Mitchell Robinson is and is the player that suddenly now where teams are saying, oh, this guy is really – he's making his mark on the defensive end every night, and you add another player that could do that from the perimeter – Suddenly now that pushes you just on the defensive end into a category where we know when the playoffs start, the game is going to slow down. It's going to get a little bit more physical. Coaches are going to do the following. We're going to get the ball to our best player <laughs> more times than not, especially after timeouts and key possessions and all that thing. And you better be able to match up with them. So I think, with the idea of having those players, that wing player, whether he's a two or three or however you want to look at it, is going to be critical for any team because Jason Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown right now and all these other players that I just named, they're, one of them is going to bust through here. And mm -hmm. you better be able to defend one or both or match up with it because Jimmy Butler – Jimmy Butler will actually overwhelm you with his physicality if you allow him to. Mm -hmm. Well, if I was the GM of the Knicks, a player I'd be looking at on the other end of the spectrum from Lauren Marketing would be OG Ananobi, who's over in Toronto. They haven't come to an extension. He hits free agency this summer. Now, I'm a huge fan of OG. Defensively, one of the best perimeter defenders we've got in the NBA. Offensively, I think he can do more on offense than people realize would I be crazy for going after OG if I was the GM of the Knicks, Scott? Oh, I don't think you'd be crazy, Mo. Mo, you, you're trying to get better grades each week now, I see. Oh, well, how you, your how GM skills. Then, huh? your GM, exactly, exactly. You're trying, yeah, you're trying to, you're you, you honing your GM skills. But he's a two-way player that BJ talks about. He can defend. He can take the challenge. He's strong. So, he, you know, he matches up well at 6'8" against most small forwards in the, in the league. He can knock down open shots. Uh, he can play off other good players. You know, he come in, if, if he were a guy to come to the Knicks, you know, he'd be playing off guys like Randall and, and Brunson and, and RJ Barrett. So, um, so yeah, I think that's uh, that's a, a very good name. You know, I, I don't want to put him out there like that, but uh, right. if that, if, but if that, uh, did come to pass, um, I could see him as being uh, someone who would fit uh, fit with that roster. Okay, well, you know, we spent a lot of time today talking about Mitchell Robinson, right, who you drafted and developed. I want to talk a little bit about something I'm noticing now in the NBA, um, the Rookie of the Year race this year. I mean, everyone before the season began expected Wemby to run away with it. And BJ, if you remember when we were talking, I said, I think Chet's going to win it because of the situation he's being drafted into is going to allow him to have a more comfortable introduction to the league, right? Because he's joining an all NBA first team guard in Shagos Alexander. And then he's got other teammates who are amazing in their roles. You know, you've got the Lou Dorts of the world, you've got Jalen Williams. So 
right now, I think the opinion amongst fans is shifting from Wemby to Chet for the leader of that race. Um, I was just wondering, from your perspectives, how much of a difference to a player's career can be made by where they're drafted to? Because if you're drafted to a team where the fit's not ideal for you and you can't find your role, uh, versus you're drafted to a team where you can come in and contribute right away, X, Y, Z, how big is that impact of the situation to which a player is drafted? Well, I, I think one of the biggest things now is in sports today is the coverage of the sports, right? And we focus a lot on these things, skill set, the sky is, you know, he may be seven feet or in, in the case, these guys are, you know, bigger than seven feet. It's bigger than seven footers, I should say. Suddenly now you start looking at things and people will say, oh, this player is going to be rookie of the year. This player is going to be that. Well, when you start talking about player of the year and what we're currently talking about, you know, there a lot of times many of these players, it's not when you get drafted, it's where you go. Okay. Not to uncover or pull the curtain back, but let's pull the cover back a little bit. There are a limited amount of players that I've seen in my career, right? I can count them on, I've probably seen more than five, but I haven't seen more than 10 that are just truly standalone players. It didn't matter where you drop them off at. They were going to be good no matter what. Okay. And that's the thing that, and I'm not being critical of the media, but that's the one thing we don't take into account. Very rarely are you going to just see a player that we said wherever we, we just take this player and drop them off on Mars and then that player is going to be good. We drop them off wherever and they're going to be that. That's a rare occurrence. Now, are we always looking for that player? Absolutely, because we know the power of that player into the organization, okay? That's a very powerful energy force that you have. You know, it didn't matter where we put Shaq. Shaq was going to be Shaq no matter what. But when is the last time we've seen a player like Shaq? Well, LeBron. Since Shaq. I'm talking about at, at the, posi- oh, at the, at the, the center in, position. At, yeah, no. At the center position. Right. Mm-hmm. You Now, you could see a, 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 a perimeter player. When the last time we've seen a player like LeBron? We haven't seen a player like LeBron since LeBron. Okay. Those players are unique all into themselves. The thing with the players like Chet, and 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 Victor is we have to take in when we're scouting these players, right? Which is another, I don't want to get off on that. <laughs> these players are they're physically, they're not who they're gonna be two, three, four years from today. Okay. So what does that mean? That means we have to allow them to be who they are. Some may show themselves earlier in the process. However, Victor Wimbenyama looks like a player to me that has the ability to be a standalone player. Not to say that Chet won't be, but Victor looks as if he could be that. So when we start saying rookie of the year and all those things, okay, that's he may be. Why? Because clearly, without question, they're playing two different games, even though they're both in the NBA. One is playing with an all-NBA player, okay? And the other is coming into a total rebuild. So as we're evaluating these players, it's not a fair comparison because I know one is playing, you very rarely, even more rare than being a great player, once you draft a big player, the first thing you have to do is you have to match him with an all-star caliber lead guard or point guard. The because, Spurs have taken a sophomore small forward and put him at a point guard. Okay, okay. So, of course, that bigger player is going to look better playing with a better lead guard who's going to pass him the ball, right? So, example, Shaq played with Penny Hardaway, who was pretty good at that position. The late Kobe Bryant was pretty good at that position. Oh, he went to the Phoenix Suns. He played with Steve Nash. Shaq knew the formula. He in Miami. D- okay. Shaq knew this formula. 
Shout out to the big fella. Okay. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Well, he played with a guy named Oscar Robertson. was pretty good, right? He was pretty good, right, Scott? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Magic exactly. Johnson, who Magic. Scott and I grew up watching, <laughs> playing, and, and oh, coming no down to St. Cecilia. He was pretty good. good. So <laughs> we, we know the formula. And right now, Chet is benefiting from the formula. But let me assure you of this, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to get a lead guard or someone to pass this kid, Wimbenyama, the ball. At some point, there's so many possessions, especially late in games, where you watch the Spurs and they just do not get the ball to him. And, and so, shout out to Chet. Chet is having, a, in my opinion, this is his first season. I know this is his. He, you know, last year he missed yeah. all of all of last year. However, he's having a terrific season, and give him that credit. Okay, give him that credit. However, this kid Wimbenyama, he's going to play with a guard. If I was a guard right now, I'm trying to run to San Antonio because you will be able to do things with Chet. I mean, with Wimby. Victor, yeah, that you just, I mean, it, 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 it's, if you put a lead guard with him, especially a bigger lead guard with him who could see over the top of the defense, I think you're going to have something, a one-two combination because this guy can catch Wimbenyama can catch ball, balls and lobs over the top of anyone. And if you could see him, you will see something special that you probably we probably haven't seen. He's doing it now with no guards. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. By Greg Popovich, it says we have an experiment going on here right now. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And even with Trey Jones, he looks fantastic when he comes off the bench. Like, yes. So I just think it's it's we want to give it time. However, do I think it's going to be interesting? We can look at the stats and da-da-da-da-da-da. Yes, it will be. But Chet should be looking better right now because he has better, he's playing with better players currently at the moment. And so, but I, I understand where we're coming from. But I, I still believe that Victor has a chance to be a standalone player. But we're gonna, it's it's gonna take him a little time because physically he's got to grow into that body. Yeah. As I listen to BJ, a couple of things I just want to touch on real quick. Uh, and when you're talking about drafting players and and going into the right position, and BJ can relate to this from his side as as an agent. All the players want to go as high as they can possibly go, and I, that is a big cautionary tale for me. It's more important to go to the right environment, right fit, than go the highest, unless you are one of those standalone players that the BJ uh, referenced and talked about. So what do I mean by the right fit? Okay. Is, you know, the way they play the game, who's coaching the team. Does it fit? Uh, does that fit your personality? Is there opportunity for you to play it? Are there veterans in the locker room that can help you grow as a young player coming in the league and be a great example for you both on and off the court. All of these things uh, play into how you see a young man develop and how quickly he may develop. And uh, so it's not necessarily uh, how you say, I'll give you an example. Um, and because we ended up with the player after he had bounced around five other times. And I mean, that's Chauncey Billups years ago. Mm-hmm. He was drafted by the Boston Celtics as a point guard by Rick Bettino, who wanted to press and run. Well, I've been watching Chauncey since he was 16 years old. That was not his style. He was more of a half-court point guard, strong, physical, knew how to play angles, could shoot the basketball. So it was doomed to fail before it even started. You know, he was trying to, you know, it's like that old saying, trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. So that sent Chauncey on a kind of journey or odyssey around the league trying to find his fit. And it took him five other places until he, uh, uh, five other stops and us being the sixth one where he finally found the right environment and fit in terms of how he wanted to play the game, how he was going to be appreciated. And he was able to take off and have a tremendous career from that point on. So um, just cautionary tale for everybody as they start looking around at draft picks and saying, Oh, we should have drafted this guy or that guy. You do not know. Uh, 
how that particular player would have performed in your environment. Uh, unless, like I said, unless it was a LeBron James or a Shaq, as, as, as uh, BJ mentioned, that would have made it in any of the 30 teams, uh, I would submit to you that there are very few of those players uh, in any draft. And uh, it's incumbent upon the teams that are drafting to, to know their own environment and know and, and make the proper assessment on who's going to fit in that same environment. So let me give you this hypothetical, right? You've got a, a genie with a magic lamp and and you can make a wish. And you two... That genie's name is Mo. Yes. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> genie, yes. So you can go back in time. I like it. And now you've got a foot added to your height. So now you're seven foot two, seven foot three, right? Mm-hmm. And say, Wemby and Chet aren't in the NBA. You can get drafted by either the Spurs or the Thunder. So you can go into a situation where there's nothing really built and you're going to go there. They're going to build the team around you. That's the Spurs. Or you're going to go to the Thunder where they've already got an all NBA guard and they've got a roster that's pretty much filled out. Which situation would you personally rather be drafted into? Bearing in mind you're one of these unicorns, seven foot five, and you can shoot and get to the hoop and everything. Well, if if we're looking to say you have this standalone player, right? That's what we're yeah. saying. Yeah, you are oh, Wendy, yeah. I, I, right. For okay, example. if you're a standalone, if you're a standalone player, you have to start from scratch. You got to go into a total rebuild. You're a standalone. Okay, you you. Why? Because one of the things as you evaluate and you and you draft one of the players, if you're fortunate enough to draft a player like that, you have to allow that one of one player to become who they're going to become. That's the, that's the key, because, you know, we've seen situations in the NBA where you draft a one of one player to a team. OK, and one of the, the last I've seen was when they drafted the late Kobe Bryant to the to the Lakers, they had an all-star caliber player that he was playing behind. His name was Eddie Jones. But, but so suddenly now to make room for this young player, because you can't hold him off forever. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant was coming off the bench when he first came into the league. Now, if that was happening today, the hoop genius would be going <laughs> in an uproar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That that's that's the that's the time. We're in a different time where you used to come into the league and you would like, you know, you you know, there was a there was there was some bureaucracy here that you know there's some time that you took. Now we get this player here, and if we determine he's gonna be a star, we he's starting on day one. So if you draft or if you're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to draft one of those players, then you have a responsibility to allow that player to be, to get to that point as quickly as possible. So I would prefer to have a clean sheet of paper and say, you know what, let's allow this player to be who they're going to become. Right. If, yeah. if we think yeah, they're going to yeah, be a 30 yeah. point score. Cause you got to explore, even, right. Even though on the other hand, on the other the, side of that coin, if you're yeah. drafted to a team like OKC, you will have a – it'll be quicker for you to get playoff experience under your belt. You'll be playing yeah, okay. more meaningful games. Well, you, you'll be playing with better teammates. I will say this, and I'm going to mm-hmm. turn over to Scott. If he's a standalone player, he's going to be a top five player in this league. I am the playoffs. Now, you try to get playoff experience to get there. No, I am that. If you have one of those players, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take the opposite side a little bit. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna jump on your side a little bit, Mo. If I can go to a place right now that is ready and equipped to win, uh, I'm learning how to play that meaningful basketball day one. Not to say that you're not learning that as the standalone guy uh, at, at a team that's not built to win yet, but uh, I'd like to come in the door. Um, fully loaded and say, okay, let's go. And, and I'm going to be a, a starter on that team and I'm going to help enhance this team's ability to win. Um, and I would look to set a standard for myself going in that in, into that position that, look, 
I'm going to be a playoff basketball team throughout the, my entire career. No matter as people age and go out the door, I'm still going to be here holding it down as that standalone player. And I'm going to, uh, because I've garnered playoff experience right from the top, uh, I feel like I'm going to get me a few titles too. Look, this would be the perfect time. No, I, I agree with, with what you're saying. This oh, man, the, this is this is a big sh- – we can well, really well, – Here's the thing. Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> this is what I was about to say. This would be the perfect time for me to even ask about when you guys at the Pistons went and drafted Darko Milicic in that 2003 draft where you had, <laughs> you know, uh, D-Wade and Kamala Anthony and Chris Bosh. But – you guys at home are going to have to subscribe to the show because we're not getting into that today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I need to see the subscriber numbers go up if you want to hear about exactly. that. <laughs> really, it's my favorite part of the show. It's that time of the week where you guys are going to give me the team or the player that you're focusing in on for the coming, the upcoming week. And who's really you, you're going to be focused in on and see as we get closer to that 25 game mark where BJ likes to make his actual evaluations for the season. What are you focusing on this week? Um, oh, Scott, you go first. You okay, go first. okay. I, you know, we, we touched on a little bit last week when I uh, gave a shout-out to Jamal Mosley, uh, the job he was doing in Orlando. And I'm going to continue to focus on the Orlando Magic down the team. They just are coming off a big week, uh, won three road games, um, went in the back-to-back in Chicago now, and then they go home uh, to beat the Toronto Raptors team and beat the defending world champions, Denver Nuggets. And um, keep their composure down the stretch in that game against yes, Denver. Yes, yes, they did. And so uh, I'm going to just continue to watch, again, their growth and development in, in those close games to see how their confidence continues to grow. Paolo Banchero, is he... You know, is he a number one option or is this a team full of guys that are, you know, two, three, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, You know, are they going to beat you more with the depth or is he going to be that standalone, become that standalone singular force uh, yet to be determined? We'll we'll continue to watch his progress. But I've been impressed with what I've seen with them early on. There's a lot of fight on that team. I think they've got a number of competitors. And and then also as I watch them, I want to, you know, pay attention to what to, you know what we talked about here earlier. Is there a move to be made by that organization and franchise that will um allow them to stay where they're at in the standings right now? Which is I up mean, in the I, top I would love to see them just keep rolling with this young group because if you bring yeah. in a big name player, you're taking the ball away and you're taking shots away from Paolo and France and these other guys. And for me, the, the yes. biggest thing about the magic is the defense right now. I wouldn't want to bring in some, cause I know, I think I mentioned on the show thinking about Zach Levine in Orlando, but the defense right now is what I'm loving, especially with Jalen Suggs leading the line on that and the intensity he's playing yeah. with. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to bring in someone, they've got to be a defensive minded player as well. Yeah. And I and you make a valid point. I can definitely see them, like you said, seeing how far that the current group can go and then make that adjustment in the offseason. But it'll just be interesting to see uh, as, you know, that could change, you know, over the next 20 games. So uh, excited to watch them, you know, happy for those guys down there. Um, I think they're doing a ter- terrific job uh, to this point. Well, we're recording this just before they take on my Boston Celtics. So we're going to see the true test of the... And that's in Orlando. And that's in Orlando. That's too, in Orlando. Right? That's the mm-hmm. top two teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's yes. going to be a great game. And it's on in the early evening here in the UK. So it's great times all around. BJ, which team are you looking at or which player are you looking at this week? Well, I, I have to go back to my roots. And I'm going oh, back to my no. Chicago Bulls. I'm going back to my oh, Chicago Bulls. No. I'm a little concerned about my bullies. <laughs> BJ, so, uh, I, both I, of your teams, the Detroit Pistons and the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> 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 we just need to find hey, some hey, affinity to Washington. Hey, and you got the three words. And, 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 and don't and don't and Mo, don't bring up what happened with the Lions yesterday. On oh, don't no, no, oh, stop. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going 
keep BJ far away from Chelsea uh, it, Football Club it, it, in the Premier League because we don't want yes. none of that moves over here. Yes. BJ, you could be yes. a Man United fan or something. I mean. Yes. Don't, don't get me started. I'm still recovering from my Lions. But, you know, <laughs> hey, but, you know, feel the roar. Feel the roar. But my Bulls right <laughs> the now. Meow. Yeah, mm. my Bulls right now. Okay. This is the fan talking. What is going on up there in Chicago, right? We've lost four out of our last five. We had a little home stretch here. We're losing at home. We have all-star caliber players with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. But something is going on there right now where there isn't a fit. It's it's not – I don't know what's happening here, and we're losing at home. So I'm going to now this week – I'm I'm going to take a look. I'm I'm going back to my roots. I'm going back to the United Center, and I got to find out what's really going on up here because I'm a little concerned. We talked about roster construction. We talk about all of those things like we've talked about on this show here today, and something is not working here with this with this current roster as is. But more importantly, what's the fix? That's what I'm really looking for. What's the fix? Because if what's being reported is true, and let's say Zach Levine and the Bulls front office, as reported, that to me is going to be a very critical decision that's going to be made up there in Chicago because it's going to trick you whether this is a full-out rebuild. It has to be, though, because like because the, the conversation is, do we trade Zach Levine and bring in a player who's going to help us. There's no one, in my opinion, that you're trading Zach Levine for that's going to come in and take this team from being the third worst team in the Eastern Conference right now to actually contending in the Eastern. There's no way you're trading Zach Levine for a player like that because the only players that could come in and do that are LeBron and Luka and Giannis and Jokic. They're not being traded for Zach Levine. So realistically, you've got to trade Zach Levine you got to trade DeRozan, you got to trade Vucevic, you got to trade Caruso and start from scratch. Because otherwise you're going to bring someone in and what, maybe, maybe make the play in? Maybe. Well, Are you the, the six-time champion Chicago I Bulls w- happy with the play in? And you know, Mo, that's why you and I, and now we're joined, we're joined by an executive here who brought in Julius Randle. Well, no, any he anybody could have brought him in. So we know it's possible. We may not see it. It may not be obvious to us. However, there's always a player in the draft, as Scott knows. There's always there is someone there, there out is, there. There is PJ. And, but let me tell and, you this. and hold on, and I'll say this, and then I'll throw it to you. The Miami Heat, every single year for the last 20 years, have showed us. <laughs> you don't even have to draft that player. That player is probably just walking around and, <laughs> and the Miami Heat gets them and suddenly they become like, I mean, last yeah. year in the playoffs with the Miami Heat showed us, these players weren't even drafted and they're, yeah, they, mm-hmm, they are mm-hmm, performing. Mm-hmm. So there's always a player. I would love to say what you're saying, Mo, is true. However, some of these executives like Scott and others, these guys have an eye for this. And they really understand what we talk about here. Culture. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Three, right? three and, and D players. I, I hear what you're saying. Sport, here's, here's the thing. Can I add one point okay, to okay. that? When we talk about, okay, you just got to tr- blow it up. That's basically what you're saying, Mo. You got to blow it up and start over again. You know, there's a thing I say. When you do that, you're institutionalizing losing. You're saying, okay, we're not good enough. We're going bottom out. But they're losing already. I, I get it. No, I get it. I get it. I'm just, I'm just offering this as a, as a yeah, counterpoint. Yeah. I'm not saying that. So you bottom out. There is no guarantee that you're ever going to rise back up. Oh, no, I, absolutely. So it's not, you know, I, but I think a lot of people think that, you know, uh, the, the average fan thinks, okay, let's just bottom out. And then in three years, after we've had a couple good drafts, then all of a sudden, boom, we're going to become a playoff team. Mm-hmm. As, as organizations like Sacramento. Yeah. 
going to be a long They'll win road. 15, 16. And, and that's a long road. don't own their 2025 yeah, yeah. draft pick either. Uh, I think the Magic well, have that. So even if you do bottom out, the Magic are getting a better yes. player. And, um, but here, here's just a few. I agree with what you're saying, Scott. And and like the example for that springs to mind is the Toronto Raptors. When they talk about trading Siakam and OG and bottoming out, then but the reason why that's a different situation to this is you have a young player in Scotty Barnes who you're trying to build around. You don't want to build that losing culture around him, right? But right. the Bulls don't even have a young player like that. So best case scenario, you're you're making the play in for what another two, three years, maybe. That's and tough. then and then DeRozan's going to retire and then Vucevic is going to be even older and his defense is going to be even worse. And then, you know, the, the reason why, BJ, I, w- I wanted to jump in there is you're saying there's players like Julius Randle, there's players like the ones on the Miami Heat last season who got to the final. But here's the thing about it. There are players like Julius Randle who are in the league and people aren't maybe taking the right chance on them. And then Scott took the chance on him in New York and we saw great results. But Scott's here doing the podcast. He ain't working for the Chicago Bulls. There are great players who weren't drafted <laughs> in the NBA draft. But the scouts who find them, they're working in Miami, not in the Chicago Bulls. So this is what I'm saying, is it's been long enough. It's been three years since they were at the top of the Eastern Conference with Lonzo Ball in the fold, and they're looking like a real contender. You've had three years. Who have you brought in in two and a half years since then? That's even made a little difference. The only one that did was Patrick Beverly for a little bit. And then now he's in Philadelphia. So this is my thing. It's like, well, if you were going to do it, you would have tried to do it already, right? And you've not got any young pieces that look like building blocks for the future. Patrick Williams, there was a lot of promise, you know, early on in his career. He's not really lived up to that potential so far. And he's talking about the contract he wants, but what he's doing on the court is not matching up to that. So that's why the Chicago Bulls in this instant, I believe should just blow up the team. But, BJ, I know you don't want to hear that because I know you don't like the uh, <laughs> the, the tank. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but to close it out, the, the team that I'm going to be looking at or the player that I'm going to be looking at, um, Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, he's starting mm. to look a lot more like Zion as the time goes by and he settles into the season. They've won the last four games in a row that he's played in. Um, and if they can keep building on his momentum, Brandon Ingram and Zion have been winning them games. And then CJ McCollum, I read a report that he's almost back to returning. So that's going to be an interesting one as well, because last season when we saw a healthy Pelican squad, they were number one in the West for a while until the injuries hit. Um, Right now, they're currently ninth. They're above 500. But if they can get CJ back, get to full strength, and Zion keeps improving on these performances that he's delivering, that's just another spanner in the works in the Western Conference because it's yet another team. Like, if you look at the West, aside from the Spurs, Grizzlies, Jazz, and Blazers, You've now got 11 teams who are trying to make eight playoff spots. So that's going to be another interesting one that I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, But I hope everyone listening to this is keeping their eye on the Hoop Genius podcast. And you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple so that you never miss an episode. BJ, thank you as always. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Scott, appreciate you. Hope you have a great week, sir. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you next week. That's right. Yes. That's and, you right. know, Mo, that was a good pick. You know, Scott and I, we have a personal down there in New Orleans. We have a personal, you know, I think good friend of ours and Coach Willie Green down there <laughs> that we want to see well. So yes. we are rooting for the New Orleans Pelicans at all costs. And so that's great. Good choice by you. We're rooting for Coach Green. He has a healthy roster. I, th- I think I even saw, what's the guy that does the sneaky defense stuff down there? I saw him back the other day. Alvarado. Uh, yeah, Alvarado's back. Alvarado. So, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Alvarado's back. Hopefully CJ gets back. But I think you're right with, with Zion and those guys. It's good to see those guys. And more importantly, just it, it seems it's, it's, it's amazing to think how quickly things turn. Just two or three years ago, they were battling the Phoenix Suns mm-hmm. in a playoff series. I think eventually they ended up going to the finals that year. And right? and, and another player but without Zion, without yeah, Zion. yeah, without Zion. But but another player mm-hmm. people are forgetting about is uh, Trey Murphy is out yes. for the season. I believe he's out. To, he's yes. No, is he out for the season? I don't think he's, no, I don't think I, I think he's scheduled to come back at sometime in early December. Is what I oh last, wow uh, uh, yeah well, sometime in December. When he gets yeah, back, I think he's a very underrated player in this league. So we could be yeah, seeing something special in, in New Orleans. And, mm-hmm. 
I know you guys are going to be rooting for them as the Detroit of the West, seeing as... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> seeing as that's the only Detroit connection that's getting any wins in the NBA right now. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That, hey, that's a low shot, bro. That's a low shot. Oh, <laughs> <Aye>, man. <laughs> I'll see you guys next week. Uh, BJ, I'll see you tomorrow for another episode. We're here all week long, the Hoop Genius Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and most importantly, get buckets.